Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group. What makes the privacy landscape unique in New York State? Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. Maryland is adding five key hires, four of which are newly created positions to its IT leadership team. Governor Wes Moore announced the hire of a new CISO, along with a CTO, Senior Advisor for Responsible AI, Director of Accessibility, and Chief Digital Experience Officer. All five will work for Katie Savage, the state's CIO. Savage says the leaders will become key parts of her plan for a, quote, better digital backbone for the state. Andy Hanks, CISO of Montana, has left his role. Hanks has been the CISO of the state for more than five years and now takes on a new role at the Center for Internet Security as the Senior Director of Cyber Advisory Services. As Montana's CISO, Hanks oversaw the state's security initiatives, strategy, and programs. New Orleans will revamp antiquated IT systems used by its courts and public safety agencies. The city will use $30 million in American Rescue Plan funding for the Justice Tech Modernization Program, which will help officers spend less time filing paperwork and searching for records and speed up legal cases and hearings. You can find these stories and more at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. New York State's privacy officer is rounding the corner on her first year on the job. Michelle Jones, who joined the state government last fall, says the state's privacy initiative has executive support from Governor Kathy Hochul and is centered around providing education to employees and residents, as well as implementing policies and processes that help the state move forward. Jones tells State Scoop's Keely Quinlan how she got started as the state's first chief privacy officer. I started as a school attorney um, about 20 years ago, and I worked for K-12 public sector, serving as general counsel. Um, In 2014, we had Education Law 2D introduced, which is a data privacy for student data and principal and teacher data. And then later in 2020, they introduced the regulations, the data privacy regulations that required a local educational agency to have a data protection officer. So as I was very much compliance oriented, I took over that role of data protection officer, which really sparked my interest in um, protecting citizens' rights. So when the Office of Information Technology Services was looking for a data privacy or chief privacy officer, I felt like that was right in line with my legal compliance background and all of the work that I had done at a local uh, educational agency uh, in the area of data protection. So it was a good fit for me right away. So then, you know, you're, you've been settled into the role, what now, a year, a little over a year? Um, yep, I celebrated my one year anniversary on August 1st. Oh, well, congrats. <laughs> Great timing on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what does your day to day look like now that you're, you know, a little bit settled in? Um, when we launch a new initiative like data privacy or privacy, it's about uh, gaining consensus, it's about building relationship with stakeholders. So I do a lot of writing. Um, And I also have a lot of meetings. I get to meet with external partners, such as vendors. I also meet with our external agencies that we serve at ITS. And I meet with our internal teams so that we can work on integrating privacy into the systems that amplifies the work already being done. It wasn't something that I just walked in and created, but what I'm doing is elevating the work of privacy so that there's parity with the security role uh, in the agency and for the agencies we serve. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, you, you've been having all these conversations. Um, what are some of the like ongoing trends in the privacy space that you are paying attention to? 
Healy, definitely the cyber overlap with privacy. Um, we all know privacy and cybersecurity are two different concepts, but you really can't have privacy without security. That's a given. So as New York State starts its second year of a privacy program, the overlap between the role of privacy and cybersecurity has never been clearer because many of the concepts are the same, including protecting data, detecting unauthorized access to data, responding to an incident and recovering from an incident. This convergence is an advantage that allows New York State to use familiar cybersecurity concepts to build a strategic statewide information technology privacy program. Using a common framework such as NIST has helped define the similar concepts in privacy and cybersecurity while recognizing the difference between privacy and security. What this does, it allows the privacy office to utilize well-established cybersecurity processes to launch the privacy program in a way that is mindful of the limited resources that agencies have to integrate new concepts into their programs or systems. Really the mission of the ITS privacy office is to foster that customer-centric approach to digital state services. So we're working to embed privacy and transparency throughout the life cycle of agency systems. And we do this in collaboration with the Chief Information Security Officers team. I will say though, the overlap between privacy and security presents difficulties because it's common to consider privacy as indistinguishable from cybersecurity. And one of the most important goals in launching the privacy program is to encourage the recognition that privacy goes beyond securing data and that it's about a data subject's control over data. So the overlap between cybersecurity and privacy also presents other challenges like competing for staff. Cybersecurity has long been a part of the public sector workforce and has well-established job descriptions while privacy does not. The work duties for privacy staffing are not well-defined, and because of the overlap between privacy and cybersecurity, we're often competing for employees with the same skill sets. Right, and, and something that makes, you know, privacy as, you know, unique compared to, to cyber, as you mentioned, is in, de in dealing with data specifically. Um, what do you think is the most important thing that, say, other privacy professionals keep in mind when working with data? I would say the most important thing that we keep in mind is the impact on somebody if there is a data processing error, and that includes an unauthorized disclosure of data. Um, this has a tremendous impact on a person. There could be, they could be embarrassed, they could be stigmatized. Uh, they could be discriminated against, they could be harmed physically or monetarily. So it truly is about considering the impact on the human that is giving us their data for digital state services. Yeah, 100%. And then another thing that I've been thinking about and wanting to ask you, of course, is what makes New York's private privacy landscape unique as it compares to like say some of the other more populous states such as California or Texas that have that like big umbrella comprehensive privacy law on the books? 
Well, New York's privacy landscape is unique compared to some of the other populous states because of the strong executive support for the privacy initiative in New York State from Governor Hochul. This year, New York State was named a data privacy champion by the National Cybersecurity Alliance, which is a nonprofit organization that promotes cybersecurity, privacy, education, and awareness. This designation recognizes the state's commitment to supporting the principle that all organizations share the responsibility of being conscientious stewards of personal information. And so under Governor Hochul's leadership, New York State continues to safeguard personal information and educate on steps to minimize cyber risk to prevent New Yorkers from falling prey to data thieves. The strong executive support is enhanced by my ability to work closely with Chief General Counsel's office to prioritize the work of the privacy office at ITS. So this executive support has been the foundation for building a strategic and comprehensive statewide information technology privacy program that really defines and develops maintains and implements policies and processes that enable consistent and effective information privacy practices. Another big topic I think on everyone's mind right now as it relates to public sector tech is developments in AI models. How do you think the privacy sector will either have to adapt or innovate as it relates to these incredibly fast-paced developments? The privacy sector will have to both adapt and innovate as it relates to the developments in generative AI models, really by working to embed privacy into the design of the generative AI application. Because these tools pose privacy risks, including improper software code, bias, inaccurate or outdated information, and sometimes even the unintended inclusion of personal data. The Privacy Office is recommending that the NIST AI risk framework be incorporated into existing enterprise risk management frameworks and that AI tools be designed with privacy as a default setting. The key to mitigating the risks that generative AI presents is to provide access to tools that are being developed to mitigate AI misuse, that's generative AI. Um, the tools include detecting and preventing bias, uh, techniques for ensuring AI systems are safe, and techniques for limiting the impact of AI systems on individuals in government services. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess my last question then is, you know, in the coming year, as you know, if we've got developments as quickly as we've had with AI per se, like per se, um, Things can change a lot in just a year. What do you think will be some of the key areas of focus for privacy professionals, maybe in both the public and private sector? Keely, generative AI is by far the most urgent area of focus for privacy professionals in both the public and private sector in the coming year. Generative AI has the potential to revolutionize the way we provide digital state services. So the key area of focus should be on setting up a proper governance structure that supports the responsible use of generative AI by applying controls, including human review, with the ability to intervene in the decision-making process as needed. And being strategic about how to integrate generative AI including the strong controls 
educating the user and the requirement of transparency regarding how the artificial system will help mitigate oh, and being strategic about how to integrate generative AI, including building strong controls, educating the user, and the requirement of transparency regarding how the artificial systems will work to help mitigate the high risks posed by these tools. Michelle Jones, Chief Privacy Officer for the State of New York. You can read more about her at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. You can subscribe to the Priorities Podcast at prioritiespodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, be sure to leave a review or rating on the podcast page. They make it more likely that more people will find the show. This podcast is a production of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Carlin Fisher and Adam Butler help put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.